Here we go. Okay. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. We are going to look today at commitment. Commitment. This is the last message, as I said, in the Holiness series. We're going to look at commitment today. Um, and, and commitment is something that we, just as human beings, have to work on. Because today we're going to look at, especially in this city, there are so many distractions. So many distractions. So, Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Let's look at what Jesus, or or what these guys identified as distractions, what Jesus identified and pointed out as distractions to some of these guys. He's walking along. uh, He's just uh, basically gotten shunned by a bunch of guys, by a bunch of people. They didn't like him. They didn't like what he was doing. So there's not a huge crowd around him. Uh, We kind of get the implication. But there are some people that are with him. It says in verse 57, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Talking to Jesus. He walks up to Jesus. He says, man, I, I've heard, you know, the implication is I've heard about you. I know about you. I know all, I mean, you're, you're healing people. I want to be with you. I want to follow you. And Jesus' reply is like, you know, going green on us or something. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What? Dude, I just want to follow you. What are you talking about? My, my foxes and birds. What is it? And Jesus is making two points here, really. He's saying, one, these things, the foxes, the birds, they've got homes. I don't even have a home. If you follow me, you won't be in one place at, you know, at any for any long period of time. You won't have a home. You have to give that up. It's not like you can follow me and then say, you know, I'm kind of getting tired. I'm going to head home, go to bed. It doesn't work like that. You follow me and you give everything up. Now, what he's also saying, the other point, and, and this is more of a point that he is making, is this. Your home is comfortable. And when you follow me, it's not going to be comfortable. Because what he was doing, if you, read, if you go back a few uh, paragraphs, uh, he, is, he has made up his mind to head to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is where he knows he is about to be crucified. He knows that he is walking into a trap. He knows that he is going to die, be murdered. He knows this. And he says, you follow me, you're not going to have the comfort of home. It's going to be exactly the opposite. You follow me, and you got to kick comfort out the window. So we don't know what that guy does. We don't know how he reacts. But then Jesus, it says, he said to another man, he turns to another guy, he says, follow me. You know, maybe this guy caught his eye. Maybe he, you know, showed potential as a disciple. He says, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, and this is just, and he means to do this, it's just rude. He says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow. It's kind of harsh, Jesus. What, what's going on there? And Jesus is, is making a very clear point. He's dead. Your father's dead. 
and it was the it was the uh, the eldest son's responsibility or the eldest child's responsibility to make sure that all the burial preparations were in place to make sure that he was buried correctly. It's really no different today. When your mother or father passes away, it's your responsibility as the child to take care of that, unless the the husband or wife is still alive. And so Jesus basically says, man, forget that. Don't worry about that. And he says, let the dead bury their own dead. But here's what he's saying. Let the, the people who are already dead, the spiritually dead, let them bury the one who is already dead. You, if you follow me, have a higher priority. If you follow me, I come before everything. Ooh, that's rough. I come before you saying goodbye one final time to your father. Wow. We don't know how he reacted to that. Still another... Uh, another guy comes up to him, another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. So he's not, you know, he just wants to run home real quick. Hey, guys, I'm off to follow Jesus. See ya. I may be back in two or three years. I don't know, but I'm following Jesus. It's the right thing to do. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Now or never, buddy. And he says, Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Y'all ever seen a, I got some pictures, Cliff, show those pictures up here. I've got a picture of a plow. It's a first century plow. There it is. I, I got this off of like an Amish website, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah, the Amish have a website. Um, so, yeah, I know, that's what I thought. So here's the deal. That one's made of metal, but the first century plow, the plow that they would use in Jesus' day was pretty similar. Go to that next picture here. Uh, you see two guys, you kind of see the other guy. One guy's holding the reins. The other guy is holding uh, the plow. Now, in, in Jesus' day, it was all made of wood, and there was one big, big plow that was made of metal. I mean, and, and, so, and so they actually, they were studs. I mean, what they did, it takes two guys to handle this. They had two oxen, you know, that were pulling the plow. What they did is they had one hand on the plow, and it's actually their left hand. Their left hand was on the plow, and their right hand held the reins of the oxen. One dude was plowing. I mean, can you, I mean, this is, I, I get the, the understanding uh, that this is where the idea of He-Man came from, because, I mean, you had to be huge in order to do this. Do you know how hard it is to, to, to hold a plow and make it go straight? I mean, much less control a horse. A horse is kind of easy to control if the bit's in right. You know, you just kind of tap on it a little bit. Am I right, Catrice? You're a big horse, horse person. I mean, you kind of just kind of pull on the mouth a little bit, and the horse goes left or right. But here's the deal. If you are holding the reins, holding the reins and then holding the plow, and you look back, where's that plow going? First of all, the horse is going this way, because, you know, you're pulling this way, and the plow's going this way, and then you're on your face. If you get distracted, and this is what Jesus is saying, if you get distracted from following Jesus, you will never be able to carve a straight line. You will never be able to walk straight with God. It's, it's plain and simple. And if you look back on this plow, then your, your furrow is going to be 
it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like one of those rice field patties. You know, you ever seen those when you're driving down the road through southwest Arkansas? Of course not. Nobody. Okay, so, it, it, I mean, it just, those rice, rice fields, they go in and out, but that's not the point. You want to make a straight road. And if you can't follow Jesus and stay focused on him, you've got distractions in your life. And Jesus says, tells this guy, you go back and say goodbye to your family, it's just going to be a distraction. You follow me now. Follow me here. Let's go. This is our call today to us. We follow Jesus. We commit to Jesus. And most of us already have. But we're going to talk about a specific commitment today. Commitment is something that we cannot do without. It costs you something. We've talked about this before. It costs you something. For every commitment you make, it is going to cost you something personally. For every commitment you make, you must make a sacrifice for. Brian, hit the uh, hit the button on the uh, hit the mute button on the what is that? The computer. This buzz is killing me. Leave and I, when we lived in the dorm in Texas, um, we and I've shared this story before, but uh, uh, some of y'all hadn't heard it, and I just love telling it. Uh, this this group of guys. I, I had a freshman dorm. I was the dorm dad. All right, can you imagine me, a dorm dad, you know? I mean, I didn't have a bunch of thugs. They were mostly good guys. Um, but this was right about the time, you know, early 2000s, right about the time when the poker craze cropped up. You know what I'm saying? And every boy wanted to play poker. And it became a problem because they're out in the lobby throwing money down, and, I mean, there's some serious cash on the table. And so we, we had to make a campus-wide rule. No playing poker in public places. You know, if you want to play it in your room, fine. Well, the guys hated this because you could only fit four or five guys in their little dorm room. And so what they would do, I mean, I think they thought we were idiots. But what they would do is they would divvy out the cash beforehand in their room, come out and play, but the cash was still with them. And the whole point of, of saying don't do it in public places is so that somebody doesn't walk in, find out, walk in, pull a gun and say, give me all your money, you know. It's not because we hate you, which is, you know, whatever. And, and so, so they do that. They do it that way. Well, one day there's about, I don't know, 12, 15 guys, and they've lined up tables, and, I mean, they are going at it, just throwing down. And I don't know if y'all know my wife very well, but she's a daggum card shark. She will destroy you in any card game. And she loves playing it. I will not allow her anywhere near a casino. I mean, not just for religious reasons or because, you know, it may be a waste of money, but just because I'm scared she's going to take the house down and they're going to come after us. She is incredible, and, it's, and she has no idea what she's doing. But every single, it's like God's will. So anyway, Leif, Leif and I come home uh, from dinner one time, and they're out there, and they're playing. And uh, she's like, can we go play? And I'm like, yeah, let's go play, because I knew where this was going. And they divvied up the cash and everything. So I'm like, hey, guys, we want to play. They can't say no to me because, it, you know, they've got to let me in. So two guys kind of walk off to a corner, and they're like, hey, all right, $5 here. All right, have somebody pass down $5, you know. And we can see them, like, divvying up the cash so they can buy us in because they don't want to screw up their own game. So we get bought in, and after 10 minutes, you know, say, hey, what are you guys doing over there? Nothing, no worry about it. We're just talking, you know, whatever. After 10 minutes, we get in. And we go around one round, and the guys are all talking smack to me, you know. And that's fine. They talk smack to me anyway. 
And I lose a couple of hands and win a couple of hands. Leave is winning everything. I mean, she's beating everybody. And, and it ticks off some of the guys. One guy has this huge pot. I think there was a, it looked like there was a pot if they bought in about $10, at least $120. He had to have had 80 He was the cockiest guy in the whole dorm, too. And I just wanted to see this guy go down. You know that feeling? I know it's not Christ-like. But, you know, it was like, you, you need to lose your money, buddy. So here's the deal. We, we get into one game, and everybody's folding, and it's leave, and this guy. Yeah, I forget his name. Uh, if I remembered it, I'd probably be angry. And, and so it's, it's these two people sitting at the table, and he goes all in. And Leave shows me her cards, and she's like, is this good? And I'm like, yeah, that's okay. You know? And she goes, how much? I said, go all in. And he starts talking smack. He's like, there is no way you will beat me. There is absolutely no way you're going to fold now, fold now. And he's just going crazy. And I'm thinking, dude, you need to shut up when you're talking to my wife like that. You know, I'm going to, whatever. And, and so, so I'm, 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 I'm sitting here waiting for this to happen. And he calls. He throws down a straight, straight flush. It's the second best hand you can have. Leave throws down a royal flush. And the lobby is silent for about a minute and a half, where everybody's just like, you've got to be kidding. The, the card shark of the campus was there. And, you know, he's, he's the guy everybody knows. He's like, whoa, you know, it wasn't this kid that was winning. And he, sits, he scoots back his chair and he says, I've never seen that before in my entire life. And leaves like, so are all these chips mine now? And she drags him over to her side. And she's like, oh, this is fun. And at this point, Redhead, because he was, he was red, Red was ticked off. I mean, he was fuming. And I thought he was going to come hit me or leave. And, I, you know, I kind of stood up. And I, he just walks through his room. He's mad. And so everybody else is like, oh, my goodness. That was unbelievable. But sometimes you've got to go all in. Sometimes you've got to push everything you got and say, I'm in. Sometimes you don't know what the other person's cards are. If you've got a royal flush, you can pretty, pretty much be guaranteed you're good. But sometimes you've got to take, in your spiritual lives, you've got to take everything and say, I'm pushing it in by faith. I am all in for you, God, and it is time for me to live completely for you. Now, today, we're going to talk about this real quick. I'm going to fly through some of this stuff. Cliff, you're going to have to keep up with me. So here's the question. How do we follow Jesus in everything? How do we push all of our chips in? How do we say, God, I live for you completely? First, number one, we commit, and we've talked about all of these except for number four, which is what we're going to talk about today. We commit to studying Scripture to know who he is. We commit to studying Scripture to know who he is. Y'all keep up with me. Number two, we commit to pray to let him know us and to let him guide us. We commit to pray to lay, hey, if y'all aren't writing this down, y'all need to get some pens back here. This is good stuff. This is crazy, crazy good stuff. Uh, uh, Curtis, grab some stuff back there. If y'all don't have a program, there's, there's some programs back there. But this is, I mean, this is how you have a relationship with God, what I'm laying out for you right here. These are the fundamentals, the basics of a relationship with God. Everything else flows from this. Two, we commit to pray to let him know us and to let him guide us. Three, we commit to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We commit to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then four, what we're talking about today, we commit to his church, not big C, little C, 
New Orleans Community Church to challenge us, encourage us, and keep us accountable. Because if we are committed to this church here, then we are committed to the big church overall. We're gonna, I'm going to explain this out. Matthew 28, verse 18. We've heard this verse probably a thousand times. 28, verse 18. This is when, right before Jesus ascends into heaven. He says, Then Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I, com- I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know what this is? This is probably one of the most important moments in history after Jesus ascends, or after Jesus uh, is raised from the dead. This is the point where Jesus says, you are the church. You little ragtag group of believers, y'all are the church. But they're no longer a ragtag group of believers. These guys are God's hands and feet. We, New Orleans Community Church, not the building, us people, are God's hands and feet. And we have to be committed to this church. This, and this is your next point, this is a call to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is us. We must commit to Christ through His church. Because this is the organism that God works through. Now, please understand, I'm not saying, you know, God doesn't use you personally, but he uses you through the church. There's no, uh, no such thing as a believer who lives out on an island. There's just not. Unless you're actually on an island by yourself. You know what I'm saying? That could happen. I've seen lost, whatever it is, snow. This is the body of believers that he set up. We have been set up for God's purpose. And we must be committed to this church. Now, I don't say that because we're not. I say that because the, seasons, the season of distraction is coming. And I want us to be focused and go all in and follow God. Now, if you look all through Scripture, Peter, James, John, they were leaders of the church. They believed in the church. Paul, what did he do? He spent, as soon as God zapped him, you know, with that big blinding light, from that point on, what he did was go and plant churches. He spent years, years planting churches. Went on four major missionary journeys, lasted anywhere from one to five years each. Church is important. This church is important. We are the church that God has placed you in about that if you come here on a regular basis this is your church now we don't do membership here because i could care less about bragging to other churches and other how many people do you have well we've got 40 people oh yeah well we've got 100 we just climaxed 250 which is you know a major point who cares i don't care about numbers i care about following god and we as a church are going to follow god now in order to do that, you have to be here. you got to be here. And I'm going to make a challenge to you in a few minutes. And I want you to take this challenge. But I want to challenge you right now to be here 
every single Sunday. Sure, there's Sundays you're out on vacation. But there are so many things in our life and in this city that, that make us, hey, look at that. You know, we're kind of like a dog. You know, we're walking straight, and then we're like, hey, oh, look at that pole. You know, hey, all right, jazz fest. Oh, look, the Prince Corner fest. Oh, this is fantastic, you know. You know, I mean, there's so many distractions in this town, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But when we got a ticket, and the ticket says 8 a.m. to Jazz Fest on Sunday morning, this is more important. Because following Jesus is more important. Now, you may say, well, you know, I can follow Jesus at Jazz Fest. Well, first of all, no, no you can't. Second of all, you can't. Let's, let's face it. Second of all, this is where you get fed. This is where you get your souls filled up. So that you can go out there and face the world. This is where life happens. Right here. In this dirty, dusty room. This is it. And if you miss one Sunday, you will start to notice. Yeah, I know it's dusty. You will start to notice that you're losing it. You're not feeling it. You've been gone for one Sunday and, and you're just not with God as much. Does anybody else feel this like I do? Because, I mean, there we go, Mystica. Thank you. Raise your hand. All right. Me and Mystica feel that way. Okay, so here's the deal. You are fed here. This is where life happens. This is where you are ingesting the Word of God from a different perspective other than your own. And guys, right here is where eternal change Right here is where life change happens. Now, Matthew uh, 6, I believe, is uh, 20. Uh, Jesus is talking about, you know, not storing up junk here on earth. And he says, store up instead for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. And then 21... For where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We cannot worry and work at the things here. We have to work at storing up eternal treasure. You know what eternal treasure is? It's growing in our relationship with Christ. It is leading other people to Christ. It's planting a seed So that one day people come to Christ. It is spending time in the word of God. So that we can be ready for any situation that comes our way. And yes, you can get that at home. But no, you can't get it all at home. This, this place is where you are challenged. The season of distraction is coming. You cannot, let me make this clear. You cannot be outside of the church. And grow in holiness or grow in your relationship with God. Unless you're stranded on a desert island. Maybe then and you got to buy. You can't. If you are not saying, please understand me, I'm talking about the body of believers here. Us, okay? Our church doesn't have to be here. We can meet at my house. But if we are together and we are encouraging and challenging each other and reading the word of God together, that's the point together, then we will grow in our relationship with Christ. doesn't have to be here. But we have to be in the
the church with, with uh, one another. But here's the cool part. If you're not here, you also can't be a part of the hope that only the church can provide. You also cannot be a part of the love that only Christ gives. You can't be a part of that. And so we must commit to being here every single Sunday. Let's talk about the distractions. Problem. Distractions easily take us away from God and His church. Let me, let me reveal to you. Distractions easily take us away from God and His church. Let me reveal to you the list of distractions just from holidays here in New Orleans. You've got New Year's. You've got Valentine's Day. And yes, these things do get in the way because, you know, it's like, oh, we're going out on a weekend. It's going to be wonderful. You know, whatever. Okay, you can do that anytime. Mardi Gras. That's like three weeks of distractions if you allow it to be. Right? Month and a half, two months. Tiffany's over there going, I'm, 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 I like that distraction. All right, so marathon races, okay? For some reason, we are really getting involved in marathons. I think that's awesome. I don't like the fact that it makes, it makes us miss on Sunday mornings because if we do it once, we'll do it again and again and again because they're going to get more and more popular here. Last year's Mardi Gras marathon was a lot smaller than this year's, and they're going to get bigger and bigger. So I'm asking you to be careful. St. Patrick's Day, you could have easily ditched church last weekend for the St. Patrick's Day parade. Anybody do that? Don't raise your hand. All right, spring break vacation, okay? French Quarter Fest. Jazz Fest, please understand something here. I'm not saying we don't go on vacation. But I'm saying these things get in the way. Jazz Fest, that's two weekends. School exams, for those of you that are students, a lot of times you're like, oh, I can't make it because i got to study. Man, you need to prepare ahead of time. Church is more important. It's more important than school. Start studying for exams now. Mother's Day, summer. <laughs> All of summer. I don't know why. But summer kills us. Come summer, we're going to be down to 20 people. That's the way it is. You know why? Everybody's like, well, I'm going to be gone this month. I'm going to be gone here and there. It's just ridiculous. Memorial Day, everybody goes to the lake. Father's Day, Independence Day, uh, the, the semester of school beginning, which, you know, the first week of school, everybody's here, but then the second week or whenever that first test is, it's like, oh, my goodness, i got to stay. Can't take it. We've got to plan ahead of time. This is the most important place you can be any time in the week. This hour right here, Labor Day, everybody's at the lake or something. Thanksgiving, of course, everybody goes home. I'm not saying don't go home, okay? I'm not saying don't go see your parents. Christmas, this is the only city I know. This, this does not include your personal distractions, your family distractions. This doesn't include any of these issues. You realize that if we attend all of these things, we miss half of the year. I kid you not. And some of us, I think, do. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, some of us will miss a third of the year, a third of what God wants to ingest into you and show you and lead you and guide you because you're distracted. Cannot allow this. We have to be aware. We have to be committed to this church. I don't say this so that we can keep numbers high. I could, like I said, I could care less. 
I say this because I want us to grow in Christ. Because here's one major, major thing that we are lacking in. It's evangelism. And if we're not here, and we're not being fed, and feeling God challenge us, and push us, and prompt us, and prod us, then we're definitely not going to step out in evangelism. So here's what I'm challenging you. I am challenging you. This is your next point. I want you to write this down. I am challenging you from this point on, from a year from now, 52 weeks to be here, 48 Sundays. 48 Sundays a year. That's four Sundays where you can go see your parents. That's four Sundays where you can go on vacation. I want to challenge us to take 48 Sundays to be here. Listen, here's what we're doing for our vacation. I am showing up on Sunday morning, and then afterwards we are leaving for vacation. There's two Sundays that I've missed, that I'm going to miss this year. Both of which are, one is for my grandfather's 80th birthday and his 60th wedding anniversary. And basically I'm going to be shot if I don't go to that. It's on a, it's on a Saturday afternoon in Birmingham. And the other one is for a vacation so that I can sit back and say, whoa, I need to refuel here. But I'm committed. My family's committed. And I hope we can take a couple more days because I need to recharge. But look at this list and tell me what you would miss church for and why. Because if, if, listen, listen, listen. If things are predictable here and that's why, then let's make changes. I got no problem with changes. Chances are I've already thought about changes we need to make. I just can't do them. So you come up with a list of things that we need to change. And let's do it. But keep this in mind. You're going to have to lead it up. You're going to have to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sacrifice my family for the sake of ministry, okay? And I don't want you to do the same. Your next point. We cannot view church as an option on Sundays. It is not an option because attending church is necessary to feed you and fill your souls. Our church is necessary for life. And like I said, our church isn't perfect. Nobody's church is perfect. But we can make changes. We can do things here to make it, one, attractive to non-believers, to people who don't have a relationship with Christ. We can do things here to make it to where you can be grow, to grow and you can be challenged even more. Feed me your ideas. Let's do it. I'm ready. But here's the solution to our problem. We must be committed to God and furthering his kingdom through New Orleans Community Church. I don't say that to try to be arrogant and say, we're going to be the best church ever. Here's the deal. God has placed you in the big church, big C, his church, by coming here to the little church, little C. This is your church. We must be committed. And if you're not committed, then you will not be able to grow in your relationship with Christ. You will, you will come to a plateau, and as I've said so many times, there's no such thing as a plateau. You're either growing you're falling away. We need to commit everything that we have, everything that we are all the time. We need to commit to him over work, over school, over family issues. Family comes first, but in many cases, let's be honest, we're kind of like, oh, let's use it as an excuse. And committing to him means committing to the organism, us. We're not an organization. We are an organism, we are a living, breathing church. 
that God so desperately wants to use to bring about life change. Let me explain. Look, look, look to your right or your left. I know this is cheesy and corny, but look, look at who's next to you, okay? Some of y'all aren't doing this, but come on, let's do it. All right, there we go. The person to your right or left is here because something is, do, is going on in their heart. Something is being done in their heart. Cliff, where's Cliff? Cliff is in the back. Cliff came three years ago. I have not seen anyone grow as much as Cliff has grown. Cliff is, I mean, he used to be over here, not a bad guy. He was trying to follow Christ. But now, I mean, he is rolling with Christ. I mean, we sit down and talk, and he's, you know, he still struggles with this and that, as we all do. But man, he is growing like crazy. God is working in his heart, and he's using our church to do it. Mystica. Mystica came up, what, three months ago. She, she, her, she walked up to me, and her first words were, I hadn't been to, in a church in 10 years. And she was freaked out. I mean, it was like, whoa, and Cliff had brought her up here. Cliff, Cliff I mean, may not have done that three years ago. Life change happens here. Mystica is now back walking with God, trying to follow God as best she can. And if it weren't for us, and that Sunday, there was people here. It wasn't the 20 people that sometimes we have here. People were here. People were talking. She was freaked out. I think Terry walked up to her and said, hey, how you doing? And it was kind of like, oh, people talk to me. Oh, this is great. Okay. You know, and I came up to her and, you know, like I said, the first word she said was, I ain't been to church in 10 years. I'm freaked out, you know, and I'm just like, it's cool. We're a different church. I think you'll find that you'll enjoy it here. Laura, Laura Daspin. I don't know if y'all know Laura. Life change has occurred in Laura Daspin's heart. She sits in the second row and cries half the time. And I'm sitting here thinking, great. And then ticked her off or upset her or whatever. She's like, no, God's just working in my heart. Because even with solid, straight-up Christians who are going to be missionaries, if you're not growing and having life change, I mean, pound your heart and change you from the inside out, then, guys, you need to be more committed. You need to tell me what I'm doing wrong. We need to make a change so that you can have life change, even as a committed Christian. Jenny, Ryan, Lavinens. They've been rolling with Christ since, we've, since they've come here. They've been, they've been learning about Scripture. They've been, they've been seeing their marriage, I mean, come closer and closer together. This is incredible stuff. God does life change. Brittany, where's Brittany? Brittany here, you didn't know I was going to talk about you, but that's all right. Brittany here, she comes, like her, were we the first church you visited? Or the second or something like that? She comes up here, she likes what she sees, she goes, I'm committed. I'm here. And she's been here ever since. And since then, she's been challenged to start a medical missionary kind of thing. And she's been challenged to, to do, uh, what was it, the New Orleans, um, um, my mind's going blank, uh, mission, right? The New Orleans mission. And she's in charge of, like, getting all the supplies together and all this other stuff. She is doing things for Christ. Now, would that have happened if she hadn't come here? Maybe. Maybe she goes to another church, but God is using us to do these things. And God wants to change your heart and my heart so that we can. But you've got to make a decision in your mind right now. You've got to make a decision right now before all of the distractions ever even come. Because they're going to come hard and heavy, especially now. 
that we're making commitments. Satan is going to come after you like a chicken on a June bug. I mean, it is going to be ridiculous. It is going to be crazy. This is what Scripture says. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy you. And if you're following God, you pop up on his radar, and he says, we cannot have this. And it will happen. For those of you that won't be here in a year, when you leave, wherever you go, you need to find a church pronto. It needs to be your first and foremost priority. Satan will come after us. But that's just another distraction. Here's the deal. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. You follow Jesus, and you remain committed. I want us to commit to this church. Not because I don't think we have, but because I see the potential for us not to. Because as we fill this church up with the Holy Spirit that lives in our hearts, when people come up here, they're going to feel something different. They're going to know something's different. And as the body of believers, when we take communion, which we're about to do, listen, I know we're going late, but hey, it's now or never to commit, right? Okay? So when we take communion, people will say, what is this all about? And when we explain it to them that we are followers of Jesus Christ and we take his blood and his body as a, as a symbol of what he did, it will hit home with people. We will be the most incredible church that the world has ever seen. Not because of us, but because we're committed to following God. We're committed to following Christ. Father, we pray that this commitment will hit home with us. God, I pray that you will do something remarkable in our hearts. If we choose not to be a part of this church, God, may you show us where you want us to be. Father, I want us to be all in, totally committed. Father, may we be your hands and feet for this entire city. placed us here for a reason. I pray that individually you will reveal to us that reason. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.